Welcome to the Path and Focus podcast, where we record ourselves building a wildfire technology company. I'm your host, Jonathan Bowers, a software developer turned entrepreneur. And I'm Kayleen McCullough, a former wildland firefighter turned software developer. Uh, how was your weekend? My, um, my update in my life is that I bought a tiny home. Oh my goodness! But because of wildfires, getting insurance, even on a tiny home, which is movable, is a very tricky thing to do. Interesting. Anywhere that is like within numerous kilometers, like I think 100 kilometers or something like that of an active wildfire is uninsurable. Oh my goodness. And that's basically all of BC? Yeah, exactly. At least the bottom half of BC. Even on the island, there is a fire that just started um, near Ladysmith, I believe. Because I was like, yeah, the island's fine. There's no fires there. Um, But I was wrong. So even if there wasn't a fire on the island, would it still be close enough to fires on the mainland that they'd say you can't get insurance? I don't know. I think it's really dependent on the company. I'm hoping that we'll still be able to. It's, It's just a little up in the air. It just reminded me of this whole problem that exists with assessing wildfire risk and part of the conversation we've had around why we're doing this and the future like tr- direction that we're hoping to take this, right? Like, I think a lot of the places that aren't insurable right now don't need to be uninsurable because they're actually not at risk. It's just we don't have a good way of assessing that. And so if we can help improve that accuracy, then we can help protect people. <laughs> Maybe. This is our dream. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that that was one of the early conversations we had was with someone in the insurance space and helped us see some of the problems. Like this, this problem just cuts across so many different industries. This problem of quantifying the risk is really hard and crude and uh, based on models that are old and insurance is no different. And so (laughs) the fact that you can't get insurance on a tiny home that is not really at any risk is just a symptom of this weird situation that we're in where that thing is super accurate. (laughs) We'd like to try to make that better, even a little bit better, like even a little bit more accurate. Yeah, I'm hoping that we can appeal to enough companies and use some logic to remind people that tiny homes are movable and at little risk of getting burnt over. So I've put out a couple of asks for quotes and people are trying to find some answers for me. So I don't really know how it's going to go. But yeah, I think worst case scenario, it stays where it is until things peter out a little and then we try again. If you keep it on wheels and just keep it driving, does it count as like a car? You get car insurance for it? (laughs) I don't know how that works. (laughs) I would count as an RV, but the interesting... uh, Yeah, I mean, we can go into a whole can of worms (laughs) about tiny homes. Oh, oh, you have. You've explored this a bit. (laughs) It's been all-consuming for way too long. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. No. Um... So let's talk a little bit more about Beacon. Um, So how do we get feedback on Beacon? And the more important thing is how do we market it? How How do we get users to use it? Like we did build this 
partly because we wanted to build the technology anyways. Um, we ended up building a bunch of other stuff that was kind of irrelevant to the technology that we wanted to build, including scraping some danger ratings and some other things. But we felt that Beacon was an interesting side effect of needing to build some more crucial underlying technology. But I'm a little worried that, just a little bit worried, not totally worried, because we have validated these ideas, but I'm a little bit worried that we might be falling into this field of dreams scenario. Um, so field of dreams, um, it's this old movie. I think it's got, I think it's Kevin Costner and I can't remember exactly how it comes to be, but he dreams that if he builds a ballpark, everyone will come to it. And that's the like field of dreams idiom metaphor in startup land is just by building it, people will show up at your front door and ask to use it. And that's that's not the case, right? People don't come and <laughs> come and start using things just because it exists. So we have to we have to talk about it to people. And I don't think we're going to do this, but it's a risk that we just we just have Beacon exist and never tell enough people about it and it never gets used. And we don't get the right signals that it's a useful thing or not. Um, and uh, I mean, one of the things that we didn't have in the app was any kind of metrics at all. We literally have no idea who is using it or how they're using it. Um, that's been fixed recently. We've added some of that. But we also didn't have a real clear way of getting feedback from people, which we've also fixed. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit and get your thoughts on, uh, on what you think. We have set up a small landing page on our Path and Focus website that links to a feedback form for people to submit feedback to us, but I think that still falls victim to that field of dreams sort of mentality. Like, unless people know to go there, then they're not going to go there and give us feedback. So as of right now, nothing. <laughs> we have received no feedback through that mechanism. But we do have plans set up in place to do some marketing and some customer discovery on Beacon. Um, part of that requires a little bit of more development to make it a little bit more shareable on social media platforms. Also set up a bit of a marketing campaign for it. Definitely not my area of expertise. So I don't really know what the plans there are, but certainly continuing to have conversations like we have been is going to be a big push for us, I think. Yeah, just because we've kind of finished building it and it's at the stage now where we need to get feedback uh, the feedback, we have to go and ask for it. Like we've got to go and get it. Um, it's a little different than what we have been doing because we've been getting feedback from people that we know and moving forward. Like we need to go and start developing new relationships with people. Like we need to go and find people who are going to use this app and and say, you know, what do you think of this? Like this feature here that we have that is forecasting, um, how much is that worth to you? What other kinds of things would bring value to this? And we need to have a lot more of those conversations. Um, but I'm not sure how to do that. Like, how do we find these people? As long as we have a contact, that contact will have a contact. And we just keep moving through that network like we did with Wildfire. Like, from my experience in that system and our collective experience in the, like, surrounding ecosystems, we've managed to make a lot of connections to people that we didn't know. And so the same will apply here in this process. I know at least two arborists who probably know more arborists or people in the forestry field and those people will know people in the broader fields as well so yeah 
Yeah. And I'm not afraid to go and have those conversations. Like those, those actually feel like pretty easy conversations to have. You know, we, we know people, they've been really generous with their time, but um, that feels like that can only scale so far. And we need to have, like you said, some marketing plans to try and market this thing, you know, some advertising that we could do, but I'm not totally sure we understand the value proposition well enough to do that effectively in an ad. I would be a lot more confident in it if we knew precisely what the value was and have talked to some people that we can convince through our network. Um, here's some people that we've identified as customers and they're more than willing to pay for the software and they get value out of it because of X, Y, and Z reasons. And we can uh, start to form a story and a narrative around that and using that as part of our messaging. I think that's why the advertising doesn't seem like it's that much value just yet because our target audience is a very specific group of people that aren't going to really understand or like find the value unless we kind of talk to them about it and figure out where it can fit into their existing systems. Not that it's hard to see the value, but sometimes people get set in their ways and making a decision to transfer <laughs> systems is a little harder without some discussion. Yeah, yeah. There's always these switching costs and these large organizations might have inertia, but the wrong kind of inertia that's difficult to overcome. <laughs> Whereas a smaller organization doesn't have that. They're just, you know, yeah, sure. This is great. Here's my credit card. Sign me up. Yeah. So if we can help mitigate some of the fears that they might have in taking on that perceived risk of, of a change, then we might have more traction. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, it sure feels like everyone we talk to is really, really supportive. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, actually, to have not encountered a lot of naysayers. It's good and bad. It'd be nice to have some negative feedback to improve off of. But I think it kind of comes down to how we're asking for that feedback. Like, are we presenting it in a way where we're kind of forcing their hand to be like, yeah, this is good? Or are we giving them the opportunity to express that negative opinion if that's actually what they think yeah and i think i mean ultimately like i'm really excited about putting a putting a payment form up <laughs> and saying okay you said this was great pay for it now please and when they don't say okay why not like why why isn't this worth the money that we suggested that you pay for it or try to get someone's credit card number and see why not like why not why aren't you going to pay us for this that's the feedback i'm looking for yeah so we're working on setting that up, right? Yeah, so we're going to tease out some of these features that we're hoping to charge money for, um, start trying to have some more conversations with folks that are potential users, both big and small. And I think part of that is, you know, just making ourselves available to whatever channel that somebody needs to communicate to us and, and, and making sure that we can get in front of the people in the right place. You know, Paige just told us she made a LinkedIn page for Path and Focus, so that's, that's exciting. Um, we can, you know, have some conversations on on LinkedIn now. So if you're interested, we'd love to hear from you both on LinkedIn, on Twitter, or just email. Or if you know somebody who might benefit from this, please share it with them and encourage them to give us their feedback. Yeah, or tell us. We'll hunt them down and have the conversation for you. <laughs> We're not afraid of chatting with, with new people. We like making new friends. Yes, yes, we do. Thanks for listening to the Path and Focus podcast. Find and review us wherever you get podcasts or reach us on any of 
the above mentioned places. Talk to you next week.